Hello, and welcome to Punching Out. Every week, we're here on Wayo Radio talking about the problems people have with their work, whether it's incompetent bosses or unfair policies, hostile workplaces or dismal paychecks, or anything in between. We want to hear from you. If you'd like to share your work problems with us, email us at punchingoutwayo at gmail.com and let us talk about them. Tune in and punch out. Your boss isn't listening, but we are. Hello and welcome to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined today by Noah. Hi, y'all. And Lou. Hey, guys. Uh, it's December. It's the holiday season. We here on Punching Out are in the spirit of giving. You know, we're, we're just looking to to give out stuff. And what better to give out than perhaps a genius award? Um, for those of you who might be new to this show, every year we try to close out the year with an acknowledgement of the the brightest bosses in our world, the the shining lights in our society, the people who have galaxy brained their way into their own downfall in many cases. As we did last year, we're going to break this up into two episodes. Uh, there are just so many geniuses out there these days, the inflation, really. Um, <laughs> today's show, we're going to focus on, you know, geniuses, you know, people deserving of our respect and, you know, our honor, if anything. Um, but people who maybe didn't steal the show this year, people who had a lesser role in the year's events before moving on to the big, you know, genius of the year types in episode two, which will be coming out next week. Anyways, without further ado, um, we're going to start today's show with the world of sports. Sports is a world that has provided us a great many geniuses over the last few years. I believe Rob Manfred won genius of the year not too long ago. So, you know, this is a field that, you know, is not to be taken lightly. Um, first, our honorable mention has to go to Gianni Infantino, president of FIFA. Uh, Noah, can you give a brief summation of why he deserves some mention here? I, I like that we're tossing it to one of the two non-soccer fans in the room, but yes, I can. Fortunately, Johnny Infantino, aka John Baby, is um, he's the president of FIFA. He is the second Swiss national in a row to be the president of FIFA. He took over after his predecessor. There was an acting president in the middle there. But uh, Sepp Blatter turned out to be all of the corrupt. Literally, there is nothing horrible that that man did not do as president of FIFA. And Infantino has proven, at least in that, to be a worthy successor. As, of course, we've talked about on the show, the World Cup is currently being held in Qatar. And as it turns out, Johnny Infantino, who is apparently moved to Doha, uh, which is interesting. He he lives there now. Gave uh, beyond participating in the noticeably dishonest process that led to Cotter being awarded a World Cup in the first place. And that's why it's happening now as opposed to during the summer when it's supposed to. I have the he quote gave in a- front of me if, if you want me to just dive into this. <laughs> Well, he gave a very long speech in which he chastised the rest of the world, especially Europe, the, the part that he's from, for 
being insufficiently respectful of Cotter's homophobic culture. And I think I know the joke, the, the part of me, the quote, but it is, it, it might as well be a joke that you're about to get to. And uh, let's just go. Let's do it. If it was just a matter of him justifying his company's uh, actions and trying to fling mud where he could, you know, maybe we wouldn't be talking about him, but he gave this quote as part of a lengthy rambling press conference. Uh, quote, Today I feel Qatari. Today I feel Arab. Today I feel African. Today I feel gay. Today I feel disabled. Today I feel a migrant worker. Um, New York residents might recognize that structure as one adopted by Andrew Cuomo uh, during his tenure as our governor. Um, the Cuomo maneuver. Yeah. Uh, also, I think a genius of the year at one point. He was definitely a genius. I don't know if he won off the year. Him and his brother won joint. That's right. That's right. Anyway, back back to this idiot. Yes. Um, Johnny B. uh, Infantino, he says, uh, I'm not really a migrant worker, but I know what it means to be discriminated and bullied. As a foreign in a foreign country, as a child at school, I was bullied because I had red hair and freckles. I was bullied for that. Uh, And then... At least this Yahoo article continues the quote as saying, there are 1 billion disabled people in the world and nobody cares, which feels like an incredible non sequitur. Got to give it up for Johnny Infantino. Um, Infantino uh, definitely winning the Norman Einstein honorable mention genius award in the world of sports. This is is a legitimate quote. I don't know if Lou's going to be familiar with this. This is a Joe Teisman quote. Where he said, "Well, I said nobody in football should be called a genius. A genius is a guy like Norman Einstein." All right, so we should name the sports award the Norman Einstein yes. Award. Yeah, and <laughs> contributions to sporting genius. Um, now, Infantino was merely the runner-up because the appetizer. Sorry, as the president of FIFA, there's not really a way he could screw up so badly that he'd lose his own job, which. To be fair, did happen to his predecessor, but um, the genius of the year is someone who has put his, you know, stake in sports ownership at, at uh, risk. Uh, we're talking about Dan Snyder, the man who owns the Washington Commanders, formerly the Washington Football Team of the NFL. Snyder the has come under scrutiny because of, uh, according to. A 79-page congressional report. That's a lot of pages. Yeah. Found that uh, his workplace was filled with sexual harassment, bullying, and other toxic conduct. And were perpetuated by a culture of fear instilled by the team's owner. Never good when you're getting a large congressional report on your business. And and let's be clear. These are... When an... NFL owner is being talked about in terms of toxic culture and bullying and a culture of fear. That's on a whole nother level. Like normal toxic cultures are one thing. NFL owners being especially known for that. That's, that's not galaxy brain. That's super cluster brain at that point. And this has been ongoing for years now. Uh, I believe some of the origins of this were 
allegations of sexual harassment being made by the team's cheerleaders originally. And this is sort of boiled under the surface for a while. Um, he came under scrutiny last year, but um, this MSN article I'm reading from by Charles Robinson from just last week now pins the reason for Snyder being so under fire in this moment that the fact that he had emails leaked from another team's coach, which resulted in that team's coach being fired because of the uh, racist and homophobic content of those emails. Um, Notable genius, John Gruden. Yes. 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 Um, In the congressional report, it notes that Snyder seemed to be surviving the scrutiny that had come his way last summer before the leak of John Gruden's emails, um, threats of litigation came from that leak. Uh, You know, Gruden now was out of a job because of things he had emailed and was upset about that, though he had no right to be given the content of those emails. This MSN article tells the story that it is because Snyder leaked those emails that he, in return, received added scrutiny. He put a magnifying glass on the things that were going on in his company and in doing so led people to digging a little deeper, which is just a really um, kind of a Greek tragedy in its own way. It's, it's particularly interesting because the scuttlebutt is that Snyder, given everything we know about him now, the man is, he's like a one man band of horrible practices the speculation right now is that the reason he still has a team that he hasn't gotten Donald Sterling out of the league is because he must have some kind of dirt on other owners and that this is basically going to turn into a war of who's got more blackmail. This is like a Dune situation now. Well, there was uh, a few weeks ago, a news cycle, when a photo resurfaced of Dallas Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones, uh, attending ah, yes. like, a segregationist rally back in the 60s. Um, yeah, and at his school. Right, yes. And, you know, there's been some, you know, nothing proven, but some thought that, hmm, maybe Dan Snyder put that story out there. Maybe he's the reason that's photo resurfaced because it had been out there in the past, but Snyder might be feeling some heat, might want to flex his muscles, so to speak. If indeed blackmail is the name of his game. Only Dan Snyder would think it was only Dan Snyder would think it was a good idea to release a photo making the case that Jerry Jones is a racist, which is not a hard case to make. He's an American white man who's a billionaire. Um, While being Dan Snyder, the man who fought for years to not change his team's name from a racial slur. Only he would somehow manage to to set those two cases on different paths. (laughs) That's why he's winning this award. That's creativity, is what that is. The Commanders were recently sued by the District of Columbia for effectively misleading the district in regards to this broader investigation and what it might uncover. Um, And they issued a PR statement that uh, went really hardball against the attorney general. Um, 
saying uh, the lawsuit repeats a lot of innuendo, half-truths, and lies, and we welcome this opportunity to defend the organization for the first time in a court of law and to establish once and for all what is fact and what is fiction, which they must have hired Infantino speechwriters for that. Oh, I don't know. That sounds like Jordan Peterson had a hand in there. <laughs> um, so... Dan Snyder ending Dan Snyder ending the statement with up yours woke moralists. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if we have much more to say about Dan Snyder, a man who for years resisted calls to change his team's name from a racial slur um, and then didn't have a good backup plan when uh, world events forced that to actually happen. <laughs> I, I have to be honest, there was a point at which I thought it would never happen uh, until he was either forced to sell the team or, uh, you know, trying, trying to look for a backbone among that class of people is, I mean, needle in a haystack makes it look easy. So actually semi surprised that it finally occurred. Every, everything we know. I mean, it's true in both cases, both of these people have taken, Massive advantage financially and culturally, I guess you would say, from the fact that sports fandom is just the equivalent of taking a hammer to your brain over and over again. And I can say that as a sports fan, uh, you're just repeatedly breaking your brain in smaller and smaller ways to justify things like, you know, watching this this massive sporting event that's been built on the bones of blood and blood of thousands of slave of slaves or cheering for a team that's got a racist name and mascot, or whatever. And uh, both of these men know that, and they're taking advantage of it. And that's why they're geniuses. Speaking of geniuses, all of our other geniuses are waiting yes. to talk yes. about them. <laughs> I think we went a little further on Dan Snyder than originally intended. Um, to move on, our, our next category is uh, emotional intelligence. You know, this is not a category we've had in the Genius Awards before. It, it took a real innovator to get us here. Our winner in this category is uh, a CEO uh, by the name of Braden Wallachy, who uh, was the CEO of a small tech company um, that, uh, according to this Vice article, specializes in optimizing LinkedIn posts, which is just the worst form of arbitrage I can imagine non-job i mean props yeah. to him for like obviously maintaining a complete grift on everybody at all times so that's kind of admirable if you hate capitalism like we do but uh yeah that, that's not a real thing he's not a genius because his company is stupid though that does help um he is a genius <laughs> here because uh after laying off uh many of his employees, he decided to follow that up by posting a tear-faced selfie uh, in which he posted about, you know, the hardship of having to lay off one's employees. Wanted to, uh, you know, show, quote, that not every CEO out there is a cold-hearted and doesn't care when he slash she have to lay people off. I'm sure there are hundreds and thousands of others like me really just trying to speak to the humanity of CEOs. This is so wonderful that we have reached a point in our culture 
where unironic CEO worship, not what we're doing here, is at the point where a CEO can genuinely think, yeah, what these people want to hear from me is that I feel bad about laying people off from my grift company that does something that shouldn't exist. Uh, I think he apparently got in trouble for uh, doing some interesting Instagram posting about the death of his grandmother more recently. So he's a, he should win this award twice over is what I'm trying to say. Unfortunately, Instagram. Is yeah. The I don't have it. So I can't see yeah. the actual post. <laughs> that seems to be where he's getting into trouble. Well, the problem is he's trying to expand outside of his comfort zone, which is a very genius thing. But if you're good at LinkedIn, if you can optimize LinkedIn, stay on LinkedIn. Don't try to go to Instagram. That's not what your role is. That's not what you're doing. Clear that you need to leave that to some other CEO who may or may not be a cold-hearted monster. And I'm not that familiar with LinkedIn, but everything I've seen of it is there are some absolute psychopaths on that. App. And so honestly, I think Noah's onto something. His issue is that he isn't staying in his lane and mm-hmm. therefore gaining notoriety. Yeah. As a general rule, we here in Punching Out are not paying attention to what goes on on LinkedIn. So it's it's really the act of trying to cross the streams, I guess, that is what's going to get him into trouble. Because if you stay in the LinkedIn world, the LinkedIn people aren't going to have a problem with you. Yeah. Just 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 run the route you've been assigned. <laughs> uh there's one more bit from this uh Vice article that I <laughs> thought was worth mentioning. Um uh Wallachy told Motherboard uh over the phone Wednesday morning that the company laid off two employees on Tuesday evening. He performed one of the layoffs and his quote girlfriend slash business partner laid off the other employee while he watched. Uh what? Well, that's kinky. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Could you have? He could not have made that sound hornier. <laughs> Just mm, an interesting. That's disgusting. Touch. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, yeah. We we can't spend too much time on on this guy because yeah, we got too many other geniuses to get to. Yeah, that's exactly right, Noah. Um, our next category for this year's Genius Awards is criminal law. Now, this is a field where, I mean, its application and the evasion thereof is just rife with genius. There's just real great opportunity there for those who are willing to take it. And our winner this year truly took the opportunity. Um, This is a Starbucks manager named uh, Melissa Morris, who... um, after being confronted by the workers at her Starbucks store who were looking to unionize, accused them of kidnapping her and forcibly holding her against her will, uh, which is a much older school approach to union busting than we have typically seen from Starbucks, but is uh, nevertheless, you know, extremely funny, a work of genius. An oldie but a goodie. Yeah, sometimes the old ways work best. I want to quote a bit from a Daily Beast article, which uh, explains the situation here. Uh, August 1st was manager Melissa Morris's first day working at the Anderson Starbucks store. Uh, Like many Starbucks workers across the country, baristas at the store had become increasingly dissatisfied. 
quote, we were tired of how management was treating us, not listening to our complaints, says Anil Tripathi, 19, who took his first ever job in the Anderson store and led the unionization effort. Quote, they haven't stepped a foot on the floor. They probably never made a drink in their life, and they're telling us how to do their jobs. So workers there successfully unionized as part of a broader movement of Starbucks workers who have um, unionized their stores. I, I think more than a couple hundred now are unionized, the stores that is, which entails thousands of workers. It's been a real bright spot in the year 2022. Um, but Starbucks hasn't taken that lying down, have they? No, no, they have not. And frankly, I think the the real commendation for this manager is that even though this is an old school form of union busting, given what else Starbucks has done, both creatively and not, I think she's displaying the kind of innovative and quick thinking that marks you out for upper management when the uppermost management is somebody like Howard Schultz, who is... I mean, a generational talent. Last year's this. genius of the year, Howard Schultz. Um, Almost this year's genius of the year, too. Just this morning in the New York Times, there's a headline, quote, why is Howard Schultz taking this so personally? Which if uh, if the New York Times can't figure it out, we might be able to help. It's because the rich always take this personally. Uh, they always take it as an affront to their good name that the people underneath them might have an issue with how they're running things. And and in his case, because they're they're really harshing the mellow on his Holocaust analogies. Um, when we had the Genius Awards last year, only a couple stores in Buffalo had unionized at that time. And really this year has borne the fruit of Schultz's genius. Um, it has, you know, those two stores have ballooned into hundreds now. And, we're really feeling the effects of his uh, hard work, frankly. Um, to get back to this specific Starbucks manager, some cases genius is just a matter of stepping in where you're needed because this was, again, her first day managing this location. You know, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I didn't know that one fact. I'm going to quote from the Daily Beast article again. Uh, the workers began to plan a, quote, March on the Boss, a federally protected direct action in which workers present their demands directly to their manager. They drafted a letter asking for new equipment for the store and demanding that they receive the same pay raise being given to non-unionized stores. They plan to take action on August 1st, the day those new benefits were rolled out. Originally, the Anderson workers had planned to confront their store manager, but she quit after their first strike. Their new manager, Melissa Morris, started August 1st. Uh, Quotes the worker, uh, Trapathia, saying, unfortunately for her, that was the day it fell on. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, how do, like, that's one way to really endear your employees to use to uh, file kidnapping charges against them for, I, I can't even remember, did they actually make any contact with her at all? Because uh, I think there was also maybe an assault charge in there. Yes, uh, there's an assault charge as she uh, brushes past one of the workers. Um, you know, she asked if they were going to let her exit the building, and they responded, yes. There's video and audio of the incident that made its way online. Uh, the entire interaction, according to this article, lasted around six minutes. 
Two days later, Morris filed a report with the Anderson County Sheriff's Office alleging that her employees had kidnapped her at the store and would not let her leave until they got a raise. One employee also assaulted her, Morris told police. That's, you know what that is? That's acting like you've been there before. I mean, that was her first day, but immediately she knew what needed to be done. She knew that things needed to be blown out of proportion as quickly as possible, or otherwise she would not be respected by her bosses as a union buster. So (laughs) that's the right move. She impressed the right people, which is not the people she has to spend every day with. The Daily Beast article um, gives us this paragraph, which I I just think is worth quoting, you know, apropos of nothing. uh, Boss napping or taking your boss hostage during a labor dispute is an unusual tactic, but occurs occasionally in France, where workers have been known to kidnap their employers for several days. The strategy is unknown in the United States. God, the French are just so much better at everything than we are. I mean, how much trouble are we in if we say this is something we maybe should be importing? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a little bit a lot. We don't have endless time here, so I think that brings us to our first break of today's show. Uh, When we come back, we're going to discuss, you guessed it, more geniuses. You're listening to Punching Out on WAYOLP Rochester. If you'd like to continue slacking off, you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are. Welcome back to the Punching Out Genius Awards. I'm Ryan, joined still by Noah. Still hi, y'all. And Lou. Hey, guys. Uh, There's going to be bit of a tech theme to uh, this segment here as our next couple categories feature people from that milieu. Our, our first uh, category here. Giving Ryan an impromptu genius award in gratuitous French. <laughs> well, we have to import more from them. That's true. That's right. Our, our first category here is virtual reality. And frankly, Nobody has been doing more in this field than Meta owner, founder, Mark Zuckerberg. He's still Mark Zuckerberg. I believe we've given him a genius award in years past and probably specifically for this metaverse stuff as well, because uh, try as we might, we still can't make sense of it. And he continues laying people off because nobody really wants it. What do you mean nobody wants to attend meetings in VR? Nobody wants to attend meetings in VR is what I mean. (laughs) I I can't believe this. I was told this is what American workers want to do. They want to work from home so their virtual avatar can sit at a virtual table and talk on a virtual one of those conference call thingies with other virtual people to the point that for some reason, even though this is virtual reality and you don't, you're not bound anymore by physics to some extent, there's still like limited amounts of seats at these tables and people have to like crowd into the virtual rooms to get a look at your semi Sims thing. Well, we have to say semi because they are quite literally only half of a person. Uh, They do not have legs. But that's something that Zuckerberg is working on. Yeah. 
Yeah, they they said they had solved it, and then it turned out they hadn't. So yeah, they did this whole like PR video of Zuckerberg's avatar and his wife like jumping around and being like, "Oh my god, I have feet!" Uh, in the virtual reality life that they wish to live for some weird reason, and it turned out that that was just a mock-up. It still doesn't exist. They still haven't quite figured it out, which is really dumb. On to the point of, like, why they want to live in a virtual reality. This man is richer than almost everyone on the planet, and yet somehow this that, that reality isn't good enough for him, and he still has to make another reality that would be more perfect. He is, like, another level of genius. And, and it's really a shame that he isn't funnier because I think he really does have the potential to be a genius of the year. Because honestly, I find the whole metaverse thing very just sad. Honestly. Yeah, it's kind of bleak. And I, I was reminded of this, which I'm thankful was actually early on this year. Uh, at least the video I'm seeing is from January 5th. It's a, a display of what uh, shopping in the metaverse might look like. There's like just a virtual shopping cart in front of you as you roll through the aisles of a virtual Walmart and select virtual items off the virtual shelves, um, which is both all of the effort of actually doing those tasks and not actually, you know, the physicality of doing those tasks. And it's like if online shopping was slower and less convenient. <laughs> yeah it's like what's the point of all that that is I, at some point somebody somewhere must have said to him this is really stupid and a waste of money or do you think everybody around him is such a sycophant that they all said like oh yeah great mark good job this is totally gonna be amazing it's the second one we know this none of these people are capable of taking any real criticism um that's foreshadowing by the way uh they cannot handle even they they can't even handle forget no they can't handle maybe there's a way to do it better and when somebody like zuckerberg who has been so key to the explosion of social media and to the hellscape online that we find ourselves on when he says he's going to do this moronic thing you go along with him because if you don't, you don't have a job much longer. And uh, yeah, so we are where we are with Meta. It is particularly funny that Mark Zuckerberg apparently saw every like parody of virtual reality created in the last 40 years and forgot the part where it was a parody. Like somehow he, that never processed, it never clicked with him. That they were making fun of unwieldy design. Yeah. Uh, you know, an increasing amount of Zuckerberg's attention and focus is reportedly in the metaverse, despite, you know, an increasing question about how this will actually help the company make money. Uh, nobody's really sure. There doesn't seem to be a, even a real destination there that, even if you're Mark Zuckerberg would be appealing. I, I don't get it. Uh, a lot of other people don't get it. But uh, as I mentioned at the top of the segment, Meta continues laying people off. Uh, most recent news was that they were laying off about 11,000 as of uh, 
earlier this month. Um, that's a lot of people. But, uh, I mean, at least Zuckerberg's enjoying his world without likes. It, I mean, it, it's clearly become an obsession. We've said many times on this show that you know you've hit management when your issues, whatever they happen to be, become everybody else's problem. And in the case of Mark Zuckerberg, his issues have been everyone else's problems for going on like a decade now. And unfortunately, because and, and unfortunately, we kind of have to be somewhat thankful that Facebook is no longer the all-consuming giant that it was at one point. Because there was a point at which his issues theoretically could impinge on every single person in the world in some way, shape, or form. All we can do really is move on and prematurely congratulate him on winning a Genius Award next year. uh, Because undoubtedly he'll still be doing this stuff. Our next category here is... um, Creative accounting, I believe, is what we're calling this one. <laughs> this one goes to a man by the name of Sam Bankman Freed. You may have heard of him. And if you're unaware of who he is, which is possible because he's a deeply online figure, he didn't like sell any products that a normal person would want. All he you did was commercials related to him, though. Yes. Without yes, him being no. on it. And if you've watched a baseball game this in the past couple of years, umpires wore that FTX patch that was the the foreign exchange that he was that did he he owned it right? Yes, he was. Uh, he's described as FTX founder Sam Bankman, which I think um, he owned with his polycule. Yes, if I recall correctly. Who had a who apparently had like a Slack channel? I think I found this out today. Had like a Slack channel called Wire Fraud in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, exactly. but what did he do? I think we're like getting into the details without actually saying what, what he is for context. Uh, he did a lot of financial fraud, is what he did. Um, he was described as like a you know a billionaire, and as of a few weeks ago, was saying he had ten thousand dollars left in his bank account because, uh, as is the case with a lot of genius, you know, he ripped off himself in the end. Congratulations! Really, the real victim was himself. Him and his company are accused of effectively, all of this is so in the financial weeds that it's really hard for like a normal, healthy person to understand. Some some of it is actually kind of, kind of understandable. Like Sam SBF and some of the other people in the polycule also owned another company that had like actual things that they did uh, that wasn't monopoly money. Yeah, and so, so there's two would... there's two companies involved. One's a crypto company that just is a crypto exchange that also created its own crypto coin. Yes, um, that's FTX. Yes, and, and then, then the other was, one is I can't remember. That's the what one it was, that you name. saw ad starring Tom Brady and Larry David. Yeah, so and there's Jimmy one crypto and, yeah. person. There's another company that would buy uh, those crypto coins and like prop up each other basically because mm-hmm. then they could issue more crypto coins that they were using as like collateral. It was very, it was very complicated. They were basically, yeah, that, that other company is called Alameda research and they were basically doing like a real weird double bluff money laundering thing. Like at, at one point this became like sex tuple entry bookkeeping. 
because the money kept moving between the two. This is, by the way, not the first time this has happened in the crypto landscape, but this one was so obvious and and SVF and his people were so separate from most of the other major crypto players. They're not, you know, they're not in bed with Peter Thiel or Andreessen or any of these other people. So when it came time, it, it, they kind of had the Bernie Madoff role where it was other major players were perfectly willing to offer them up as a scapegoat to say, this is what's wrong with crypto. Not the rest of us. Pay no attention to the other people behind the curtain. This guy is the problem. And as it turns out, SBF also bankrolled a lot of political donations, and and so did his co-founder. And actually, they had a neat little uh, split custody agreement with the two parties, where SBF donated to the Democrats and his partner to the the Republicans. But somehow, you only ever hear about half of that. Whatever. Point is, because he bankrolled a lot of political donations and and overpromised on those donations. So as a result. One reason why maybe the Democrats, even though they did okay in the midterms, didn't do as well as they thought was because they got left high and dry by a man that could not have been more obviously a grifter if it had been on a neon sign attached to his damn head. I'm reading from a CNBC article, which uh, is from an hour ago when uh, SBF was arrested for his crimes. (laughs) Reports later claimed that FTX had commingled customer funds with Bankman Freed's crypto hedge fund, Alameda Research, and that billions of customer deposits had been lost along the way. This is not something you should do if you're managing other people's money. It's not a good way to uh, do that. It's highly against the law. and But if you're a genius, you can try anyways. Yeah, really, the whole problem with with uh, uh, banks as they are is they're super overregulated, and if uh, people will just get out of the way of geniuses like this guy, um, honestly, our, our uh, whole financial system would be so much healthier. We're recording this December twelfth. Tomorrow, December thirteenth, there's going to be a congressional hearing about uh, FTX's collapse and the ripple effects that's having in its corner of the economy. And after SBF was ousted from the company and the company filed for bankruptcy, it was uh, he was replaced by a man named John J. Ray, who previously oversaw the aftermath of Enron's collapse. And John J. Ray has this to say uh, in his upcoming congressional testimony, quote, never in my career have I seen such an utter failure of corporate controls at every level of an organization. When Enron guy says it's bad. Either that or when Enron guy had his memory wiped at some point in the last decade. Yeah. Again, not a good sign if Congress is having hearings and investigations about your company. Generally something that, you know, as a business owner, you want to avoid. Yeah, uh, we should write a book like Punching Out's uh, Top 10 Tips for Avoiding a Genius Award. Give advice to uh, budding business owners. Yes. I would say I would say it's the yeah, I would say it's the opposite. What we can learn from the geniuses. Which in SBF's case, I mean, it's just sometimes you got to go big or go home. You got to get to the point where every single powerful person in America is screaming for your blood. <laughs> like it is, it is impossible 
to count the number of powerful people this guy made mad on every side of politics and the economy. Is he the first Genius Award winner who might end up in jail as a result? I mean, a man can dream. (laughs) Hopefully the first of many. He might be the first, but if he's the only, we have failed in this project. Yeah, like, I don't think Adam Newman's going to jail, sadly. He probably deserves to be in jail, but I don't think he's going there. I think we should call this segment fair. Um, When we come back, you know what time it is. More genius time. You're listening to Punching Out on Wayo 104.3. You can subscribe to the show or listen to past episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and other podcast apps. We are also on Facebook and Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Punching Out Genius Awards. I'm Ryan, joined still by Noah. Brains. And Lou. Yes. <laughs> We've been really going through uh, just a wonderful crop of geniuses uh, for, from this year. Um, and we've got two more for you in this final segment. The first, um, in some ways, he's a stand-in genius for a whole crop of geniuses themselves uh, is Dr. Oz, who you might know from the television and more recently for running for Senate in the state of Pennsylvania, a state in which he doesn't really live. Somehow not the only Republican Senate candidate who doesn't live in the state where he was running for Senate. It's almost like that whole party is astroturf to hell. Uh, I, I think the reason we're singling out Dr. Oz here is because as part of the campaign trail, certain things get uncovered about one's past. And it was discovered that uh, previously Dr. Oz had uh, been overseeing what seemed like remarkably cruel experimentation on puppies and dogs and uh, stuff that's, you know, not cool. Don't do that. And for this, uh, we award Dr. Oz uh for his work in animal rights yeah well done genius award in the category of animal rights is awarded to mehmet oz Um, i'm i'm very glad that i mean obviously i'm not this is a horrible story but the thing about oz is that even once his politics became known people still pretend that well you know he's very smart in some ways like he's a good surgeon and whatever and all that it's like And that's cool, but we need to start understanding that surgeons are people mechanics and that they are very, very good at a set of specific skills that they exercise and practice a lot. And even then, dear God, there are some pretty out there cases. That does not make you good at anything else. And in the case of Dr. Oz, a person who has negative ethics, it enables you to end up killing scores of dogs because science not even you know it's it's all of these experiments are ultimately made to enrich people it's really not science it's money like everything else is but in the case of oz it just there was so little substance to him as a candidate that it really for once you could make the entire case against him based entirely on personal distaste for the man and boy was it easy to find him distasteful yeah. and 
I think he he's our genius, even though it is in a very specific category for him. Um, I think he is pretty emblematic of the entire like cast of uh, Republican candidates this year in that they were laughably awful to a T, all of them. Uh, but there was still just a lot of concern and fear that they would actually win because because of how absurd our political system is in a lot of ways. Um, I, I think it should be noted that uh, Donald Trump uh, or very narrowly lost this race for a genius award um, for his contributions in political campaigning by endorsing an Eric and let the Eric's figure out who he endorsed. Yeah. To be, to be more specific in the, was it a Senate race in Missouri? He endorsed Eric. The problem being that there were two candidates named Eric in the race and later two it major out, candidates. Two major, major candidates, candidates, right? It later turned out that there were three, so he may have endorsed neither Eric nor Eric, but a secret third Eric, <laughs> whom we didn't even know about at first. And Dr. Oz somehow managed to beat that. Well, I, Dr. Oz also had the Trump endorsement, which uh, seemed to be the kiss of death in, in some cases. Uh, it was good enough to win a lot of Republican primaries, and in the general election, Republicans managed to lose Senate seats in a midterm election during which the president is unpopular, which is almost unheard of. Yeah, it's really impressive because uh, Noah really wanted to talk about uh, Dr. Oz's contributions All to the culinary sciences. Yes, um, because this guy was very funny. And you had to wonder at some point if the campaign headquarters or whatever was secretly working for Fetterman the whole time, because it was bad. That was such a hilariously awful campaign. He was a clown, and it is difficult to figure out how much of it was possibly a lack of resources or whatever, but it, it the man could not stop shooting himself in the foot in a way where you wonder who exactly was working on the campaign? What was why was the Republican like Y team on that campaign? How is it possible that in a state that you thought was up for grabs, you find somebody who doesn't live there, who can't name either of the grocery stores that are popular in the area he purports to live in, doesn't know what goes in crudite? And also shoots random videos of himself in his kitchen set to, what is it, like, Junior Senior, that one Junior Senior song from 2004. I mean, it was, the campaign was surreal in how bad it was, including the part where, as Fetterman pointed out, he kept visiting places in Philadelphia that are famously associated with tourists. So it, it was as if... No one on that campaign gave a damn, starting with the candidate. And it was extremely obvious. You almost wish more candidates had been like that. Maybe, you know, we might have a real interesting House and Senate if that had happened. Yeah, I, I guess our honorable mentions here go to uh, Arizona Senate candidate Blake Masters, who is bizarrely inhuman and... Uh, Georgia Senate candidate Herschel Walker, who is all too human, um, just 
a, a real bumper crop of candidates for the Republican Party. And some of the most repellent people to have ever existed on the planet Earth, which is incredible. Uh, we're going to wrap up today's show with a, a genius that punching out listeners will have heard of before. We uh, spent the better part of, well, a final segment talking about him in a episode a few months ago. It's a Whole Foods CEO, John Mackey. Um, he caught our eye a few months ago because of an interview he had given in which he talked about the opportunity he was seeing in his upcoming retirement. It seems that, uh, you know, the responsibilities of being a CEO, while other CEOs have found ways to get very creative with those responsibilities, Mackey was feeling restrained by them. Uh, he was unable to be his true self, to be, as he put it, Crazy John. Um, he had some thoughts on the subject of socialism and politics that, you know, you could probably guess at. He's like, a man in his sixties with a lot of money, but in, you know, researching for our genius award special here, I did come across a, a couple of old articles on Mackey, which um, also painted picture of the man. Um, in 2021, he was interviewed by Isaac Chotner of the New Yorker, who here we um, go. some here of we you go might know as the guy who only interviews repellent people. And Chotner focused on Mackey's claim that his beliefs were, uh, quote, conscious capitalism. Uh, Mackey had talked about wanting capitalism to, you know, really uplift the people. And Chotner wanted to know how exactly that works. Um uh, just to give an example of, you know, the exchange in this interview, uh, uh, Chotner asks, you're also an environmentalist, correct? Uh, to which uh, Mackey responds, am I an environmentalist? Do I care about the environment? Yeah, uh, sure, absolutely. And Chotner asks, where are you on climate change at this point? Uh, <laughs> Mackey responds with, uh, you know, I don't really like the way this interview is going, Isaac. I thought we were... <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were. <laughs> I thought we were going to be talking about my new book, but it seems like you're trying to get issues that are controversial. You want me to get on record as saying things. And honestly, if that's where the interview is going, we should probably end it. (laughs) (laughs) This is proof that not only do rich people not read a damn thing anymore, neither does anyone working for them. Because in <laughs> any previous age, if Isaac Chotner calls you, your assistant is there in the room constantly being like, no, 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 doing the cutthroat sign the entire time. That's amazing. It is- Chotner, Chot, Chotner should actually get an unironic genius award for his ability to get these specific quotes out of people. It's incredible. What's your take on climate that. change? That's it. We're done. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh.
good. That's good. Well done, right. Ryan. Yeah. Later in the interview, uh, Chotner well, notes so that. Going. Yeah. Yeah. It did <laughs> keep going. The uh, Chotner oh, notes boy. that the New York Times had reported that the Whole Foods employees were sent home f- without pay for wearing Black Lives Matter gear, uh, which, uh, you know, Mackie denied, but not really convincingly. You know, so always fun to see a guy, uh, you know, face questions because that's, yeah. Yeah. That's actually why he felt restrained because he had to deny that instead of being proud of it. Uh, And then I also came across uh, this article from 2016 in Cracked. Remember Cracked.com? What a what a place! Yeah, uh, they specialized in lists like this. Uh, this is uh, quote five spectacularly crazy meltdowns by CEOs of major companies. Um, For a and- second, I thought you were going to say they were all by John Mackey, and I got real excited. <laughs> no, uh, it seems that in the early two thousands, Mackey had um, uh, quoting from the article created an alter ego in the form of a Yahoo Finance message board profile under the name under the username Rahodeb, an anagram of his wife's name. Uh, he used this false identity to post hundreds of messages praising his own company and uh, leaping all over the competition. Uh, he wasn't amazing. subtle about it either, posting uh, stuff like this glowing endorsement of his store salad dressing. Quote, have you had the 365 in- organic miso dressing? It's my personal favorite. I want to see, you know how it's popular to put like uh, influencer, this is my schedule for the week and uh, uh, it's like wake up at 4.30 and then work till 10. I want to see the the more accurate version of this, where it's like four hours blocked out each day to write fake comments on your <laughs> Google reviews. John Mack, taking your lunch break while posting. <laughs> posting through it. Oh, Most my God. Yeah, that's... Oh, my God. Of course he would. Of course he would. Everything this man has ever said reveals that he has, like, the world's most razor-thin, unbalanced, precarious ego. This man is hanging by a thread. Um, It's pretty clear. Now, it was uh, uncovered by his fellow forum posters that this guy was just a little too pro-Whole Foods and also posting insider knowledge that the average customer wouldn't have knowledge of. And rather than deny the allegations, Mackey first claimed to be George W. Bush before shifting to the hiding in plain sight defense of (laughs) his line is, uh, if you really believe I'm John Mackey, uh, if you really believe I'm John Mackey, you should probably pay more attention to what I say on this board. I would be the ultimate Whole Foods insider. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, no kidding. Uh, the thing is, that is also what George W. Bush would have said at that point. So that's actually <laughs> kind of a weird double bluff there. One last bit from this article. Uh, quote, he also took to complimenting himself in the third person, praising his cute haircut yes. and declaring that, quote, Mackie looks like a model for Brooks Brothers compared to the people who work for him. 
Oh my god. <laughs> compared to the people who work for him. Wow. Yes. Hold on. He he did this after he pretended to be George W. Bush on the whole thing. The the cute haircut and whatnot. Unclear. At least in this article. Um, and also, this... let's remember Brooks Brothers, the only suit company that can claim to have been involved with trying to steal an election. Thank you very much. <laughs> Just wanted to get that on the record there. This habit of Mackey's went on for seven years before being revealed <laughs> in a lawsuit by the competitor who he had um, tried to buy. Wow. Anyways, that concludes our overview of 2022's Lesser Geniuses. Uh, oh, that's right. Please be sure to tune in next week when we really take a crack at the highest of high quality geniuses, the geniuses of the year. For this week, I'm Ryan. I'm Lou. I was Noah. And this is the Punching Out Genius Awards. You've been listening to Punching Out. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. Email us your work stories, complaints, and struggles to punchingoutwayo at gmail.com. Punching Out is a project of the Punching Out Collective. Our producer is Ryan Brister. Music for Punching Out is provided by Ariel Cruz. Tune in next week for more Punching Out. And remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.